the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha, your source for real estate market updates and strategies and answers to your real estate lending questions. Now, to provide you with insight and help you navigate the constantly changing world of real estate lending, here's your host, financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Misha Dimitruk, branch, branch manager, senior loan originator at Essex Mortgage NMLS. 694427 joining you today as I always do in hopes of providing you with information and tips and tricks and changes about the industry that are coming about. This is just one of those types of fields that the information is always abundant, but not totally specific to your scenario. And we here at Essex Mortgage are priding ourselves and always have on educating our clients about their individual options. If you have questions, if you need advice, if you need guidance, if you need to understand what's available out there in the market, 831-435-0385 is my phone number. M-E-S-H-A at EssexMortgage.com is my email. You can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Now, lots of things going on in this industry, as always, and we'll start with, for those of you who follow the show, this week's challenge, uh, or last week's challenge, was to buyers in the market. We are definitely seeing an uptick in buyers coming back into the market as they see the competition for properties is dramatically different than it was over the last two, two and a half years. Even with interest rates going a little bit higher over the last few months, We did see a lessening in interest rates at the end of last week, a sharp decline. It's definitely spurred some more buyer excitement. And so to talk specifically to the challenge, it was really still making sure that you're getting your formal, fully underwritten pre-approval, that your originator is looking at the documents, that they are understanding the different types of earnings that you receive, and that they're walking you through the process of understanding what you are being pre-approved for, loan type, loan term, interest rate, what's really attainable in the market. Um, And so I had a great conversation with Tim. Tim called because he was really frustrated. And he actually called sort of to give me his his whole story. and, And I think when he left the conversation, he felt much better. But he was originally really fired up because the interest rate that he had been quoted was just not attainable. And when he pressed his loan originator about, you know, well, is that a rate that I can lock in today? And the originator pushed back with, well, are you even in contract today? And so he took what he had heard from the show about asking if there was a buffer for rate built in, knowing what is available today if you got into contract, but making sure that your pre-approval is based on a rate that is higher than the most competitive rock bottom rate you could get today. And The long and the short of it was, is that his originator didn't take the time 
to put that buffer in place. And in fact, they were quoting him something that would have cost him a tremendous amount of additional funds. He didn't get a cost breakdown of what his anticipated closing costs would be based on that scenario. He was given a generic scenario of what their underwriting and processing fees were, but nothing to do with the nitty gritty. Tim and I walked through every instance of the scenario that his originator provided. Uh, We talked about the various fees that come into play. We talked about the other fees that were not included, that are the third-party fees, the title and escrow, the recording charges, government service fees, and really gave him a very detailed idea of what a live transaction would look like based on what my lowest rate of the day is and how I give that extra room in there. Tim was very grateful for my time. Thank you, Tim, for your time, because you are the reason that this show even happens. The opportunity to go back and explain to people what others are not sharing. Um, Oftentimes, originators, I hear, don't give those types of details because they don't want their clientele to be overwhelmed. I don't believe it's an overwhelming thing. I think it's an educational piece. And if you don't give people the information, how will they have any idea of where to ask more questions or a full understanding, but the finances, the nitty gritty of how much is this going to cost me and are you showing me something I can actually capitalize on is is really why we want there to be a pre-approval in the first place. So I'm I'm grateful for Tim that we had the ability to, to walk through that and really get an understanding of where the information wasn't provided in the experience that he was having. Uh, Likewise, we talked about other opportunities for him in the market and how he could expand his purchase price by using creative loan options. And that was definitely something that uh, he had not received working with the lender that he had chosen originally. Um, I also had a conversation with Inez and Inez was really excited about her future home purchase. And she wanted to make sure that she didn't do something to disrupt the apple cart, as she said. Uh, And so I'm going to relay out to you sort of a tips and tricks and the the hot button list of do's and don'ts when it comes to being a buyer. When you are a buyer, even if you're in the pre-approval process, sometimes people forget that, and particularly when they've been in the shopping phases for quite some time. And so they take steps and make action in their lives that they don't really think about as being part of the home lending process. Um, Now, I do encourage all of my buyers to be comfortable with the originator that they're working with. Be willing to share all of it because I promise you your paperwork that you're providing for your loan pre-approval is all those most intimate details that you, you don't even share with a lot of the people in your life who you're considered intimately acquainted with. And all of those details are going to tell a story. And If you don't think that your originator is reading all of these, or if they haven't, they're doing you a disservice because we will understand more about you by reading your documentation than than you might think, including reading your bank accounts, reading your, your pay stubs, reading your tax returns. So please do be honest and be prepared to be upfront about everything that has anything to do with you when it comes to the financing process. Do continue to pay all of your bills on time and watch those interest rates on those credit cards. If you have a minimum payment set up as automatic payment on your credit cards right now, 
if as the interest rates rise, you may see that minimum payment shifting upward and that minimum payment that you have set for auto pay might not meet the minimum monthly obligation. So please make sure that you are checking those payments and making sure that what's drafting drafts not at the very last second, if at all possible, but also at least meeting the minimum requirement, if not in excess of what it is that the minimum payment you need to make is. Do let your loan originator know if anything to do with your job or your employment changes, whether it's that your income has shifted, your hours have changed, if you went from being remote to being required to be on site, if they've changed a category of your pay. I had a client the other day that for years has received bonus income. And this year, the employer decided to switch that just it, out, on, out of a whim, change that to a commission. And it dramatically affects how someone is going to qualify because that's a different category of pay. If your hours have been reduced, if your job title changes, any shift within your employment or your income needs to be relayed over to your loan officer once you have been in that pre-approval process. Do please monitor your credit through the credit cards that you have already. Do not sign up for additional credit services that may uh, ding your credit or may cost you money every month. As long as you have those healthy habits in place, paying your bills on time, monitoring your expenses, and really being aware of how much debt you are utilizing, you, you're not in the position where you have to actively monitor um, you know, in, in an aggressive manner if you haven't had any type of identity theft or other derogatory situation. Do please make sure that you are keeping track of your bank deposits. If you have money, any kind of cash, if any family member has offered you support in, the, in regards to funds, please talk with your loan originator before you put that money into the bank. There are very, very specific processes that funds used in a transaction have to go through. And if money is produced that does not have a paper trail and it gets deposited into your bank account, that creates ineligible funds. Now, that's still money in your bank account, but that means that money cannot participate if it doesn't meet all of the specific criteria. It's a very, very detailed process, the entire lending process. And we are your guides here. So, you know, that's why I'm giving you all these tips and tricks is because it's really important that we help you not do something or do do something that makes such dramatic shift that it jeopardizes your qualification and particularly in the pre-approval stages because it, if you've been a buyer, if you've been a shopper for a long period of time, it might have fallen out of your immediate thought process. Do not open new credit accounts. Do not get wooed by the 10% off offer at the local retailer when you head out holiday shopping. That's opening a new account. Even if they tell you you already have an account with us, we can open an account for you with limited information from you. They are very likely still going to do a hard credit pull. It will show up as an inquiry and you will have a new account. Now, that's not the end of the world, but opening a new account immediately impacts your credit score because your score is a numeric depiction of your understanding borrow repay. When you open a new account, your score comes down. You've only demonstrated borrow. After you've made the sixth on-time payment, effectively seven months after opening that account, 
your credit score will see a rebound. So we definitely want to make sure that you do not open new credit accounts. Please don't forget to participate in sharing updated documentation with your loan originator. Provide your updated pay stubs, provide your updated bank statements. Have an understanding and a mileage checkpoint in with your in lenders on what it is you need to provide and when. It's going to help you feel confident that whenever that new documentation comes in, you know what to do with it. Now, there's other tips and tricks that I definitely feel like are important for us to talk about, and we'll get into that a little bit deeper here into the show. But I do want you to understand that we are here to help you navigate this process successfully. So being open to the variety of options that are out there for you in the lending world. Um, oftentimes we get calls from clients who tell us they want a specific type of loan. They want it to meet a specific set of criteria when they don't necessarily understand how that's going to play out in the marketplace, what may or may not be available uh, in the marketplace, depending on the current conditions. And oftentimes we find that people are falling back to the process or the information they need, they learned in their last round of financing for people who have had an extensive period of time between their last financing endeavor and what they're looking to do today. Sometimes that can cause a little riff as far as conflict of what it is they think they're asking for and what's actually available out there in the market. So if you have questions about how to make sure that you are not causing yourself any heartache or any problems, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I am here to help you whether you have yet to get into contact or whether you're already involved. This is Mortgage Matters with Nisha, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. All right, Bay Area. In this week's mortgage terminology, I want to talk with you about the difference between varieties of titled lenders. Now, there's a mortgage broker, And they are people who take in your application and source out through the market a loan that someone else is offering. A direct lender has the ability to write the loan for you themselves. Typically, they do their own underwriting and everything sort of stays in-house. And then there's a correspondent lender. And a correspondent lender has the ability to sometimes underwrite for someone else's loan that is being offered or to someone else's guidelines and standards. Now, they each have their own strengths and weaknesses, but here at Essex Mortgage, we have the beautiful benefit of being all three. I am a direct lender, I have correspondent lending and brokering opportunity. So the ability for us to capture a product in the market that you need in order to have your most successful real estate transaction is with all of these types of flexibilities at hand. And the difference in that opportunity is vast because that gives me the ability to somewhat more control a transaction in-house when we have an underwriting that is done within my own company's confines. And it gives us an understanding, I think, of the better ability to attach to uh, an underwriter and learn from them and get the understanding from their perspective on things. Now, underwriters are another step of qualification. They are, after the loan application has been taken, after all of the documentation has come in, we as originators hand a file over typically to a processor. A processor makes sure that all of the paperwork is accurate, correct, has all the right dates, has all the right information, 
that the application aligns with the documentation. And then the underwriter goes through and makes sure that all uh, validates that all the information on the application aligns with the information on the documentation and that that criteria that's found on the application that's validated by the documentation aligns with the guidelines or the rules of the individual loan type or product, as we call them in the industry, so that we can achieve loan approval, knowing that we're meeting all of the rules and regulations for that loan. The process itself is very standard. With most companies, it, this is really how it goes. The variance might be maybe there isn't a processor, or maybe the originator doesn't do a whole lot beyond bringing in the client, having the initial conversation, taking an application, and then handing over to a processor for them to amass the documentation. <clears throat> and this is, a, again, a very standardized process. There are verifications that are sent out. A verification of employment is a very standard document. And it's a breakdown of not only your income, but the categories that you are earning in, the date that you were hired, the likelihood of your continuance, the likelihood of overtime or bonus being achieved when you received your most recent pay increase, when your last pay increase was. And it gives a, a detailed snapshot of not only year-to-date earnings, but the previous two years in full. Now, again, this is another added verification because we will, in a full documentation loan, have your W-2s for the prior two years, which should all match the year-end figures on your verification of employment, and your pay stub, which should likewise show year-to-date earnings in all the categories that you are earning in. So these are the ways that we go about checking and checking again and checks and balances. And the mortgage industry is nothing if not conscientious of its liability of, in making sure that the information is accurate. The ability to repay is required in primary residence loans in traditional, conventional, FHA, VA, USDA lending. And these are the steps that are required on the back end of things. This is not information that is necessarily needing to be known in order for you to navigate this as a buyer or as a regular consumer, but it's important, I think, for people to understand what takes so long. I had a client who contacted me the other day and said, you know, I was just curious. They bought a house in this past fall and they said, I was curious, why does it take 30 days to close on a home loan when it can take two days to close on a refinance of an auto loan. And you know, we laughed about it a little bit uh, in that it's dramatically less information and paperwork. And there are not as many moving parts. Uh, there's a determined value on an appraisal for a vehicle and the amount of financing is just moved over. When it comes to home lending, we have to pull a credit report. Obviously they do too in, in auto lending unless you have alone with them already. And they uh, understood that your credit is sufficient enough to achieve a refinance with them. The title report that needs to be ordered, there is a history of title report. A title report is a specific report that's pulled from public record about the, your property, about the transactions that have transpired and recorded against the property, and needs to be compiled into one specific type of report and needs to have specific information including who holds a loan on that property, who legally owns that property, what type of 
encumbrances are found on the property. Uh, what's the chain of title for the last 24 months? Typically, they need to know, has anyone else owned this property in the last two years? And that in and of itself usually takes a few days. The market is getting a little bit better with it, but at a certain time, we were, I know, waiting a week just to get this information. And um, beyond that, then files have to get in line. And when they get in line, they get in line based on the time and date that they were received. And when they are put into line, they're in line for initial review or underwriting. And once the initial underwriting has been achieved, the underwriter usually issues a loan finding or either a pre-approval or formal approval or a, a suspense or decline. We are going to take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitra. All right, Bay Area. Let's talk about how to flex your own financial muscles. I've had a couple of conversations with buyers and homeowners in the market recently, and they talked about their their dreams and and how it is that they're going to achieve them. I, I spoke with a man who owned has owned his property for over forty years, and he was talking to me about the likelihood of him doing a construction loan in order to build on a piece of property he has up in the Sierras. And he talked to me about how he had spoken with different lenders on how difficult or cumbersome uh, construction financing was and how there are so many moving parts and it requires so many different inspections. And it's definitely not for the faint of heart, but it is a viable lending opportunity. And uh, so I sort of asked him about his house that he owns here in the Bay. And he, you know, a pride of homeownership came through immediately in our conversation. And he started talking to me about the neighborhood and the square footage and the bedroom bathroom. And when I asked what he thought the property was worth, it was easily three times more than what he was looking to borrow to build on his Sierra property. So I spoke with him about why not look at a cash out refinance on your primary residence rather than the construction finance? And I, he, he stopped and we had a long pause. I thought I actually dropped the call. And he said, you know, in all the conversation I've had with anyone else, no one else presented this to me. And the interest rate was lower. The financing terms were better. The costs and fees were dramatically less. And his ability to control when money was dispersed, as opposed to other people requiring that he jump through specific hoops and for the construction process. Um, for those of you who have not done construction lending or construction loan yourself, payments are paid out based on the progress of construction. And so whenever they meet a milestone of the project, there is an inspection, there's a title search, and then um, oftentimes they have to get the permit signed off for that specific portion of the project, and then a new disbursement is had. Sometimes those pieces don't come together so seamlessly, and that disbursement can cause a delay with the people building the home, and they might move on to another project while they're waiting for your money to come through, and then that project might run a little long, and you have to wait for them to come back to you. But So this gentleman was able to, with the equity he had in the home that he had been living in and loving for the last many, many years, able to leverage that property for the lowest cost financing, take back control uh, for the project that he wanted to have done, 
and be able to build what he wanted in the time frame that he wanted it built in. And it was definitely a powerful position for him to find himself in. So when I tell people to be open to the ideas and concepts that are presented by lenders who have experience and who have skill, this is what I'm talking about. And having a conversation with more than just the person at your local credit union or your big box bank, if they do not have intimate knowledge of all of the different lending options out there, and they don't present you with more than one option of how to achieve your goals, then I think a second opinion is definitely warranted. So please take into consideration that as the market shifts, we're going to see a different set of winners emerge. And when I say winners, I mean people who have capitalized on the downturn, people who are not finding themselves in terrible positions, but rather finding themselves in places of joy because they have met a milestone. They have achieved some part of their portfolio that they dreamed about because they made it happen either with funds that they had set aside or with flexibility of sometimes their own thinking about the finance that they have and the property that they own already. For people who own property in California right now and and throughout the United States, tremendous amounts of equity are being held. And if they're not using the equity, they could be losing the ability to leverage it. For those people who have talked to me about home equity lines of credit, this is a very hot button item. And we're going to address that here when we come back from uh, our next break. We're going to have a little bit of a visitor and to talk about some new properties hitting the market. But those home equity lines of credit are going to be something that a lot of people are going to need more information about. And they're going to need to know the tips that I have to share. When it comes to flexing your own financial muscle, we want to make sure that you understand a few things. Your credit score definitely counts. The property's condition definitely counts, but you don't need to go about making changes and improvements to the property, just remedying significant defects. If you have questions about how this would affect you or your opportunities, give me a call, 831-435-0385, or send me an email, Misha, M-E-S-H-A, at EssexMortgage.com. There's lots more to come for you here, folks. We're going to, again, take another break. We'll be back in just a few. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. I definitely just got the word we have with us again, Daniel Ibrahimi. Daniel, are you there, Daniel? Hey, Daniel, how's it going? All right. How are you doing, Misha? I'm doing great, Daniel. Tell everyone again, please, who you are and what it is you do. Sure. I am Daniel Ebrahimi from Coldwell Banker Realty. Been a real estate agent for 15 years, and I help people sell and buy homes every day in the San Francisco Bay Area. And wonderful. Now, Daniel was on with us last week talking about a listing that he has in San Carlos, and he had a tremendous amount of traffic come through his uh, his open house, which is thankfully a trend that we are seeing more of after some some months of it being pretty stagnant. Right, Daniel? Absolutely. Yep. And yeah, so... 
We will. Uh, Daniel's going to give us an update on that San Carlos property, um, but he also has a magnificent new property coming to market. And I know I'm, I'm eager to have you share that one, Daniel. Sure. Would you like that one first, Misa? Yes, please. Awesome. Okay. Yes, we have two homes on over one acre of land in Napa coming in the next three weeks. One acre of flat land with a brand new two bedroom, two bath ADU on it at 915 square feet with an attached 600 square foot two car garage. Um, in addition, there's a three bedroom, two bath, one story home also that's been completely renovated, super brand new remodel. And that one's at 1300 one. square feet and will be listed for just under 2 million at 1995. Super prized, secure. You know, view of the mountains and the Silverado Park. Now, Daniel, Napa. the appeal on a property, a single family home with a fully permitted accessory dwelling unit. Um, you know, obviously this gives multi-generational living opportunity. But, you know, for those who don't have a parent or a child or another family member who's going to be living in that other side of the, the property or that other unit on the site, this gives a homeowner the opportunity to have a huge offset of their primary housing expense if they turn that into a rental. Absolutely, it, Misha. It, and what and what are you thinking when you talk with your buyers about properties that have accessory dwelling units? How do you warm them up to it? I'm, I'm sure for some people it's a shift in mentality um, that you know they would have someone so to speak, living in their yard uh, or the side of their house or above their garage. But how do you how do you posture this in a positive way to a buyer? Sure, Misha. Well, I always say it's guaranteed income because it is. Mm -hmm. It's guaranteed right. income for life and your peace of mind that you can have so many, you know, a few thousand a month every first of the month for you at your disposal. So your property taxes and your insurance and maybe your gardener and other expenses can be paid for so you're not working as hard as you, you know, you, you need to. Right. Well, and I, I think that's a really, really valid point. Um, you know, for for those people who are looking at buying a, a single family home with an accessory dwelling unit, the income that you would generate from the accessory dwelling unit is not going to help you qualify. You still have to qualify for that loan and that purchase without that rental income coming through. But that rental income for some people is a tremendous offset. And as Daniel said, that's going to help you pay for the gardener, pay for the landscaping and um, pay for the services, pay for your electric and your water bill. I mean, you know, for I have clients that they have completely funded their children's college by renting out the accessory dwelling unit, um, you know, set up other people for retirement because they rented their accessory, accessory dwelling unit. It's definitely a, a financial opportunity for people to minimize their housing expense while still owning and maintaining control over that environment. Now, got that right. Daniel, let's right, right. Let let's jump back. And in today's day and age, where you know securing your finances is really important, it's definitely something that people should not be shying away from. That opportunity is available, and with the limited housing that we have and that housing crunch, it's something most municipalities are looking at allowing. Uh, with looser guidelines or an easier approval process for most single family dwellings. Um, let's jump back to your San Carlos property because I know you had a lot of foot traffic there. 
And, um, you know, I want to see how things are going this week. Thank you, Misha. We have had lots and lots of interest. We actually have a couple of repeat showings tomorrow and looking forward to getting the right buyer in that house. Uh, really uh, warm feedback over the weekend when I was doing open houses both Saturday and Sunday. Um, killer Fantastic. neighborhood, excellent school district, walk to White Oak Elementary, literally a stone's throw away. And super tight-knit neighborhood is what I can say about that. Oh, that's that's great. Well, and I imagine the buyers that um, that are coming out to look at it a second time are just elated, jubilant over the uh, reduction in interest rate that we have been seeing that's actually holding right now. So with rates coming down some, I know buyers are getting more warm and fuzzy about properties that they were sort of eyeing with dreamy vision before. I hope you have an offer here on that property very, very soon. Me too, Misha. And I think we will. We will very soon within these next few days. Fingers crossed. Um, There's no home like it. You know, it's a corner lot. People can go up, they can expand if they want, or they could just live in it as is. Wonderful. Daniel, please tell everyone again how to get in touch with you. You got it. My cell phone is best, and that would be 408-761-2883. You can call or text me anytime. Great. Thank you so much, Daniel. We look forward to the further updates on both of these magnificent properties. Thanks for your time. You're welcome, Mr. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. So as we were talking about financial, flexing your own finances uh, previously and how you're able to use your own properties to leverage differently, that's definitely one to think of, an accessory dwelling unit to bring in some income. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a few with this week's challenge. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitruk. All right. To this week's challenge, for those of you who follow the show, you know that this is my favorite part. And the reason being is that it allows me to hear from you, our listeners. And I hope that it helps some people, at least, uh, bring to the forefront that someone is thinking about their specific set of circumstances and, and how they are going to achieve success. And then it allows people to call me and talk to me about it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I love people. I'm a people person. And I'm, I'm in this industry because I like to help people and I want to help all of you successfully navigate your real estate financing goals. So this week's challenge is for the self-employed out there. And the reason that I think the self-employed deserve a specific challenge week is because as we end the year, we're coming into the home stretch, having your paperwork dialed in, knowing what your future goals are and looking forward as an, as an entrepreneur um, and planning for that success is going to be an imperative part of your overall success. And as we come into the final stretch of the year, knowing what you know about your business's production, about you know, the, the trajectory for your company and your earnings in the coming year, and what your real estate financing goals are is going to really help you understand what you need to do and what you need to put in place in order to achieve that success. Most self-employed people have the benefit of filing taxes with the ability to claim expenses as deductions. That typically means that their taxable income is lower than someone who may be a salaried employee and have no ability to write off expenses. And that means that self-employed borrowers uh, typically have more challenge in qualifying for full documentation 
conventional loans. Thankfully, there's an, a wide variety of flexible lending options to suit the self-employed's needs. Now, when you are self-employed, it's usually a balance when you're looking to make a purchase or change your financing when it comes to real estate. And for those of you who are not yet familiar with that or not yet comfortable with that, what it really means is you have two choices. Your choices are, do I not claim my deductions as in every single possible way and minimize my taxable income in order to obtain the lowest interest rate in the market? I pay the tax on the money and I qualify for a conventional full documentation loan. Or do I write off my expenses, minimize my taxable liability, and utilize a flexible financing option? And really, it's a personal choice. Our jobs here in home lending are to relay over the options to you. Oftentimes, what I see happen is that people come to me and say, This is what I have been doing. I want to make a purchase. Here's what it is that I, I think I need to do. Um, but in order to do that full documentation loan, where I'm now minimizing my write offs and showing bigger income on paper, I'm really going to be stuck waiting another two years. Because a lot of people had this realization where the market dipped and they were looking to get in, but pandemic was happening. Maybe their earnings were down. They're showing more money on paper these last two years. Now they may have the opportunity to buy, get in the market, change their financing, and rates are up. But properties are more prevalent and the options out there in the market are more abundant. Don't be afraid of finances. Don't be afraid to shift your finances. Finances are not a set it and forget it type of experience. The ability for you to navigate the best financial circumstances for you and your needs at any given time is something that should remain flexible. And in maintaining flexibility, you will always be willing to and able to touch the best type of financing for your needs. So self-employed challenge borrowers, self-employed buyers, self-employed homeowners, let's have a conversation about whether or not the financing that you're seeking is best to move forward with now, or if you're in the position to very soon with the documentation that you have, be able to capitalize in a different arena. But knowing what your purchase power is, knowing what your borrowing power is, is going to be what helps you get through. Most of you at this point have learned or are keeping tabs on what your actual earnings and take home pay will be when it comes to your business for the year. And before the year is through, I would like every, every self-employed homeowner or buyer to have an understanding of exactly what it is that they can achieve in this market. Because I feel confident in saying most of the time when I talk with self-employed buyers or homeowners, they don't realize how many options are out there. There are bank statement loans that allow us to utilize banks, uh, sometimes as little as three months bank statements. There's one investor I know of that will allow for three months bank statements. Um, 12 and 24 months are the most prolific uh, bank statement loan product out there. There are profit and loss only loans requiring that your CPA provide an unaudited profit and loss statement over the last 12 months. And that becomes your stream of income. There are um, stated income loans that just allow you to simply state, this is the amount of money that I'm making. And then there are no documentation 
income loans that require that we don't have provide any income information whatsoever. So please let me know what your specific set of circumstances are, and we will talk about the multitude, likely, of options that are available to you. 831-435-0385 is my phone number, M-E-S-H-A at EssexMortgage.com. You can always find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. This show does rebroadcast tomorrow between 6 and 7 p.m. and Sundays from 3 to 4. But as always, if you have specific questions, please don't hesitate to call. It costs you nothing to have a conversation with me about what might be available. And for all of the many listeners out there who reach out to me on a daily and weekly basis to um, get information and to help them resolve their financing conundrums, I appreciate you sincerely. Again, this is Misha Dimitruk. Essex Mortgage Branch Manager, NMLS 694427. Wishing you and yours a very, very lovely and happy holiday season as we come around to the season of giving. Be well and stay healthy, Bay Area. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 